Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Welcome to the Podcasting Stories podcast. My name is David Spray, and today we're talking with Chris Hanslick, the chairman of the Houston law firm of Boyer Miller. Chris was a guest about 18 months ago on my original podcast, The IC Disc Show, and he was one of the first clients for your podcast team. He was also the first client to publish 10 episodes. In this episode, we learn more about why Chris decided to launch a podcast, his experience having a podcast, and the lessons he's learned from having a podcast. We also learn if Chris had to do it all over again, would he launch a podcast again? We also learned about one of his business setbacks and what he learned from it. And finally, we hear his answer to the age-old question in Texas, does he prefer barbecue or Tex-Mex food? If you've ever considered having your own podcast, this episode has a lot of great insights from someone who launched their podcast just three months ago. Let's get to the show. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks, David. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So this is real exciting for me because you are the first uh, podcasting client of ours who's passed 10 episodes, and you're the first one who we've had back on kind of a check-in to sort of see how things are going. And so this is really exciting because you're you're the, the first person to serve in this role. So thank you for making the time. Yeah, happy to be your guinea pig. Awesome. So let's talk let's talk a bit about the firm. So you're the the managing partner or is that the technical title or is it a little bit different? Yeah, the the title is technically chairman of the firm, but okay. basically the, you know, similar or same type of role as what some firms would call managing partner. Okay. And so just tell us a bit about Boyer and Miller and and then I'll maybe have a follow-up question or two. Sure. Yeah, so we are mid-sized law firm in Houston, Texas, one office in Houston, roughly 32 lawyers. And really the, the best way to describe it is we're, we're intentionally built uh, and strategically designed to serve entrepreneurs and business owners and their day-in, day-out legal needs. And I tell people that if you think about 90 to 95% of the day-in, day-out legal needs of any business in any industry, that's what we do. Corporate okay. work. Yeah, corporate work, M&A work, real estate work on the developer side, employment and business and and commercial litigation. So it's really a a full spectrum of services designed uh, to work with entrepreneurs, business owners, growing their business, trying to realize their dreams of of, seeing that whatever that vision they had for whatever it is they're doing uh, come true and grow it and build it however they want. Great. That's a, a succinct description. So most of your clients, do they have a, an in-house general counsel on staff or in some ways, are you a little bit of the de facto outsourced general counsel? Good question. I, I would say that across the probably client base, most do not have an in-house lawyer and we serve in that role, that kind of outside GC, outside legal department, working with the founders and owners, kind of the C-suite on a day in, day out basis. There are several clients that grow to where they have an in-house lawyer, 
And then we work with that person and we're kind of the back office support in the bench, if you will, for that maybe solo in-house lawyer. And of course, there are a few that have a a more sophisticated in-house legal department. Uh, Some of the larger companies where we serve, those are usually litigation clients where we're doing outside litigation and there's an in-house department that just manages kind of what we're doing and oversees several, you know, maybe pending uh, lawsuits. But by and large, we are working with people as their kind of outside legal resource. Got it. And I can tell you from personal experience, I've been familiar with the firm for over 20 years since I've served on the board with one of your founding partners, Bill Boyer. So I have been familiar with the firm for several decades, and we have shared several clients through the years. And I can say definitively from an outsider perspective that you guys do accomplish what you're trying to do. The clients we have that we share with you just really rave about your firm and kind of the entrepreneurial spirit of the firm and the fact that that they feel like you're really a, a strategic partner, not just somebody who's billing them time. And so, so kudos to you guys. You are, you're at least with the clients we've worked with, you certainly are achieving that, that, that goal. Well, that, that's great to hear. It's always good to get that kind of feedback. And you know, as you know, you got you to work at it every day. And so that's what we, we try to do. And it's instill in ourselves and in our people is that, you know, you got to come to work every day ready to fulfill our mission and our values to our clients and to each other. That's great. Well, you guys are doing a great job. So let's now, let's turn to podcasting. So I had you as a guest on another one of my podcasts called The IC Disc Show. And I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was about a year and a half ago that you were on there. And and then and then it was that was a good experience. And I you did a great job as a guest. And then something interesting happened on our end. I we were about 24 episodes in and every guest I had on was so complimentary that we had a podcast and nearly every one of them said, boy, I wish, you know, we had a podcast. And even though I encouraged people to have a podcast and offered to be, you know, answer any questions and nobody uh, took us up on it. And so back in February of this year, I had a supposition that the reason none of our guests had launched a podcast was it's just too complicated. And so one morning I woke up and I had this idea. I sent an email to three former guests, you being one of them, and said, hey, if we had a podcast and we did everything for you, would you be interested? And all three uh, you know, answered in the affirmative. And so by that afternoon, another company was born and that's uh, called Your Podcast Team. So first off, let me thank you for, for being a, willing to be a guinea pig and be one of our first clients in the podcasting business. Well, absolutely. And, and like, like I said, thanks to you for having the idea and, and kind of seeding that for us to consider. So let's get into your podcast. So what's the name of the podcast? So the podcast is called Building Texas Business. Okay. And what's the what's kind of your your niche within the podcasting space or you know, what are you hoping to accomplish with that podcast? Sure. The the goal from the beginning was to interview business owners and entrepreneurs. So it didn't have to be necessarily someone that founded the business, but had, but is leading the business, maybe, you know, took it over and did something unique or special with it. But really just to, you know, hear the stories. I, you know, I, I love reading about, 
you know, business and leadership and, and, you know, certain the more successful, you know, quote entrepreneurs, you know, have, you know, have books out there, Steve Jobs, Jack Welch, you know, you name them. And, and then I was, you know, in thinking about the clients we serve, you get to know them and, and the stories are just really, I find them inspiring. And so the idea was, Let's bring people like that on and interview them and give them a platform to tell their story uh, through a, you know, a series of questions and in hopes that there will be some learning along the way. Each story obviously is unique, but the, the listeners out there, if they're you know, similarly minded, maybe business owners, entrepreneurs, or thinking that they might want to start a business, can learn from that. And, and okay. I'll tell you, I, I think I've learned something in every episode. And I have too, because I've listened to every episode. And speaking of which, uh, how many episodes are you up to now? Is it about a dozen? It is. Uh, in fact, to, later today, the 13th episode uh, will be released. And you know, g- to give you some context, I think you're aware of, the first episode launched on June 30th of this year. So in, you know, I guess in what will be less than three months, we will have done 13 episodes. So v- really proud of that. That is that is awesome. And I really appreciated I've appreciated all your interviews, but you know, they say you you never forget your you know your first of anything. And I really remember that interview with Johnny Caraba. And I know that was your first uh, interview. Can you just tell me a bit about that? Uh, kind of what the experience was? Were you nervous that that was your first interview? And and how how did it how did it go when you reached out to Johnny to invite him on? Was he reticent or excited? You just can you give us a little bit of the backstory? Sure. Yeah. So you know, Johnny is is a great guy. He's been a friend. Fortunate to call him a friend for a long time. And so when I first sent him a text about, hey, uh, I'm starting a podcast. I'd like for you to be a guest on it. I mean, it was without hesitation. He, he said, absolutely. Which was maybe that helped cut through the the angst and, and worry about it. Anybody that knows him, he's just, he's so easy to talk to. So as we, you know, we did the interview. Yeah. I think, you know, you, you find your way as you do these to kind of, I don't know if it's a style or not, but just, you know, as, as the conversation flows, but you know, my goal is to really not, is to hear them and let them talk. So it's kind of throw some softball questions, listen, uh, and then let them talk. And, you know, Johnny has such a great story and, you know, he's kind of a living legend. And, and if, when he goes through this in the interview, some of the family history. And if you're, if you're vaguely familiar with the Houston restaurant scene in Houston, you'll see that he's got a family connection that goes you know deep and wide across the restaurant industry. And so just hearing how all that came about, I've, I've gotten great feedback from listeners about just how neat it was to hear that story. And yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, the first one, more than anything, I was I was just concerned. I didn't know if anybody was going to listen. I thought it was a neat idea. I thought Johnny would have a great story, but you never know if, if people are going to actually stop and listen to it. And unfortunately, they have. Yes, yes, it, it sounds like it. Now, f- for listeners not from Houston who may not, who, who the name may seem familiar, can you give just kind of the quick backstory of Johnny, the restaurant, and then the expansion nationally and why people outside of Houston might have been to a Carabas? Sure. So, you know, as I said, Johnny kind of grew up in the in the restaurant industry here in Houston. He started his first restaurant called Carabas on Kirby, and everybody knows it as the, in Houston, knows it as the original Carabas. I started that in the mid-1980s, 1986, I believe. And then in the early 90s, he did a, I'm going to call it a joint venture, whether it was legally or not, I don't know. 
but a, he did a, a joint venture with Outback Steakhouse to okay. grow. You know, by, at that time, he had two locations in Houston. And so they they did a deal where they launched and, and grew. I think it was over 270 you know, Caraba grills throughout the country. And that's where, you know, people outside of, of Houston have seen, you know, a Carabas grill. That's, that's why. And, and in fact, other than the two uh, locations, original on Kirby and on Voss here in Houston, in the suburbs of Houston, those Carabas are, uh, that you see are part of that joint venture with Outback Steakhouse. And so that's, that's who Johnny is. Uh, he's charismatic as all get out and just, you know, very entertaining, you know, we, we had a good time doing the show. And when it got released, he called me that night and he had listened to it. And he, I forget, he said, man, we did pretty good. And I said, yeah. But the, the really cool thing was he called me back later. He was at his parents' house and he said he, he played it for his parents and share how special it was, I guess, for them to get to hear him tell the story from his perspective. And that, w- that was pretty cool to have Johnny Caraba, you know, thought so much of, you know, the interview to share it with his parents, you know, it was pretty special. I, I, I do find that special and I can imagine one of the things his parents really appreciated because he was very complimentary of his parents and his uncle and the significant influence and role they played in his respect and admiration and appreciation for his parents and his uncle was so obvious in the interview. So I'm sure that must have been very gratifying for their parents to, or for his parents to, to, to hear that publicly proclaimed appreciation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, I think Johnny's what comes across in the interview, I hope because it's true of him in person. It's just a a lot of humility, very, very uh, humble individual and, and grateful for his the opportunity opportunities he's been given. And I will tell you, you know, that I find that that so far in the, in all the interviews, that's a pretty common theme amongst the people I've had the, you know, the pleasure to interview and bring on the podcast. And uh, so it's, you know, again, each, each story, which makes it really neat and, and the, and certain learnings are different, but you certainly see that commonality of humility and, and hard work from, from all these people. Yeah, no, and you you do a great job of of really drawing their their story out. So, how is having a podcast compared to your expectations of it? What have been some things that have been like you've expected? Maybe some things that have been different. You know, either either for for better or for worse. Yeah, you know, I, I would say a couple things. Maybe on maybe exceeding expectations category would be I didn't realize how easy it would be to get people to come on. You know, I think uh, I've been, I was pleasantly surprised that, you know, you ask someone if you, they'd like to come on the podcast and, and it's, it's so far knock on wood, it's been a pretty easy and quick. Yes. So I think that was pleasantly surprising. I think the, you know, the response, like I said, I mean, the, my team and I thought it was a great idea, but you know, as we got closer to launch, I was like, what if no one listens? I mean, you know, <laughs> and I guess you just don't know, right. That's kind of, like anything, if you believe in it, you just got to go do it and, and, you know, and then not worry about what happens and do your best. And that's kind of what we did. And we couldn't have done it without, you know, you and your team. But I would say that the fact that there's been what seems to be a good response and from what people know more about these things than me say, yeah, you know, you're getting a a good following and a good response and we're the goal is to keep making it better. And the one, you know, the, probably the last thing I'll say on that is totally unexpected. But last week, uh, 
we we won an award for the podcast. The Legal Marketing Association gave us a first place award for content marketing. And that was unexpected, but really cool. So that's awesome. That is awesome. Con- congratulations on that. And uh, yeah, and, and I think I'd heard you you telling somebody that that really kind of came out of the blue that maybe one of you, one of the people on your team submitted it and you didn't even know about it, I think, right? They just submitted it and then out of the blue, you guys won this first place award. Is that right? That's right. I yeah, no idea until I got an email last week uh, telling us that, that we'd won. So that that was that was fun. And, you know, so now we're just going to, like I said, keep trying to, to bring on good guests, you know, keep, you know, diverse diversity of views and thought and really trying, you know, the goal now, we've done a lot of people in Houston and we'll continue to, we've, we've had one you know guest that has businesses in Austin, uh, Reed Ryan, uh, son of Nolan Ryan. And so we're kind of focused on really trying to get Austin, Dallas, San Antonio, other parts of Texas to really get those business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, um, from across the state on the show to, to tell their story. So so you kind of just, so you kind of just did the Herb Kelleher, you know, took the napkin, drew the triangle, right? The the Houston, Austin, Dallas triangle, and exactly, yeah, it seemed to work for you know Herb. So we thought, don't reinvent the wheel, just try to repeat it. And so that's we, great. We lining up people, in fact, you know, hope hope to have a couple of Austin folks and Dallas folks uh, here pretty soon. I'll tell you what, another thing that occurred, and I. I I don't know why or if it had in conjunction with this award and our promotion of that. But another thing that kind of has maybe gone beyond my expectations is on Monday of this week, I got two different emails in the same day of one was, I didn't know this existed, but a podcast like booking agent emailed me about someone that is a CEO here in Houston, entrepreneur and saying, I think he'd be great for your show. And, you know, suggesting that this person come on our podcast. And then later in the day, a marketing group out of Austin did the same type of email. Hey, we, this is who we are. We work with this person who's an entrepreneur business owner here in the Austin area. We think he'd be great on your podcast. And I was like, wow, that's pretty neat. That is really cool, isn't it? I mean, it's like you might have expected it, you know, several years in, but just, uh, you know, a dozen episodes and, and a couple, two or three months in, that's that's awesome. I, I tell people that you'd mentioned that it was easy to get guests. That doesn't surprise me because I tell all of our new clients that our, it, it seems like in people's brain, they don't have a, a category for being asked to be a guest on a podcast but the closest they have in their brain that they might imagine, it's as if you're asking them, hey, Chris, I don't know if you know, but next week I'm guest hosting The Tonight Show. Would you like to pop by for a segment? It's almost like that's what their brain hears because I find that people are just really flattered. Yeah, I think that's right. And, um, and you know, I definitely appreciate their taking time out of their day. Yeah, we, one of the things we've done and, and and the plan is to continue to do this is the interviews are done in person. You know, we haven't videoed, you know, yet that may be something we incorporate down the road, but there's just something about that in-person dynamic. And, you know, and I know you, know, you and I aren't in person right now and it works just fine, but that's been really neat to, they come to our office and we get to visit a little bit. Then we do the recording. You know, many of the guests I've known, but, but some of the, some of the best, ones are people that I didn't know. And, and we, we use an outside marketing and PR firm, Savage uh, Brands. 
and they've been connections or clients of theirs on you know some of these guests and so I meet them for the first time but have really enjoyed developing those new relationships and wouldn't have been able to do it really or at least the podcast provided the platform to do it not that it wouldn't happen maybe sometime later but it definitely is a great way to meet people and get to know them yeah, that's that's great. And that was another innovation you all had was the in-person. We were really always structured with doing it virtually by a, a call-in, a recorded call-in line. And that's been the model we've replicated with our guests. But you all really felt strongly about doing these in person. And so we uh, we altered our process to accommodate that. And I'm really glad to hear that you guys have really enjoyed that. And I can see why that would work really well. Your office is centrally located. It's in a you know, class A space. You have you know, very lovely offices. And, and, and so I'm, I'm sure it's a, it's a great setting to get somebody in there, you know, kind of give, you know, have a chance if they hadn't been there to you know, give them the tour, you know, introduce the firm to them. So I compliment you and your team for kind of thinking outside the box and, and strut and capitalizing on, you know, that, that wonderful office space that you have. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I, it was one of the things I kind of felt like was very important that we do it in person. There may be times when we can't, but if we really make that a, a purpose and a goal of ours, I think it adds a, I hope it adds a, a element and dimension uh, that really comes through in the interviews. And, and the plan is, you know, as we get guests in other cities, you know, pretty easy to get around Texas. So I can go to Dallas for a day or Austin for a day and do some recordings. And that's, you know, the, the plan and intent as we, you know, move to more guests outside of Houston is to not give up the in-person experience. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's, I think it's great. And by the way, you were talking about episode two, Bethany and Dale, the president of Savage Brands. I enjoyed that interview so much. I actually invited her as a guest on my podcast. So she was on our podcast about, I think, six weeks ago. And that was was really engaging. Of course, I must say in the debrief at the end, she said that, you know, the, the experience was pretty disappointing having followed Chris Hanslick. So that was really... That was really the only negative part of, of following you with, with having her as a guest. Right. Well, I know Bethany well enough that she, I know she didn't say that, but I appreciate you. <laughs> you know, so, so what are some, let's kind of drill down a little bit. What are some of the things, I mean, you talked about that you really envision having a platform for people to tell their stories. And I think that's a great description of what you're trying to do, what, what I've tried to do, what some of our other clients are doing. But what are some of the other things that come to mind that you really enjoy about having a podcast? You know, things that you expected or, or didn't expect. Yeah. You know, so I, th- I think that from a big picture standpoint, you know, We've done various programs at the firm throughout the years, and, and you, you've attended them. You know, for a long time, we had a breakfast forum series. And you know, the goal behind all the events that we've done from that perspective has, has always been kind of twofold. One, to provide valuable content to our relationships, whether that be our, our clients, potentially prospective clients, friends and referral sources to the firm. But we really just, you know, want to do things that are perceived to be valuable. You know, time's precious. You know, we, we, we don't have a lot of it. And, and what we do, you can't get back if you waste it. So we're trying not to waste people's time. We want to provide valuable content. And 
you know, at the same time, have memorable experiences as well as, you know, when you, I think we feel like if you do that, then people we'd like to be thought of as thought leaders, you know, at Boyer Miller and that we're, we're thinking beyond just, you know, how do you draft a document or, or handle a lawsuit or, or just the, you know, the blocking and tackling of what a lawyer might think about and think about what's important to business owners, what's keeping them up at night, what are they thinking about and, and want to you know be in that mindset with them. And one of the ways to do that is then put on programs that have good, valuable content that they can apply to their business. And so fundamentally at its you know core, that was the goal and is the goal of this podcast. It's just one of a you know, a new format and an evolving format to deliver content and 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 what we now you know kind of call this digital age. And not that we're not still going to do in-person events and, and forums because we are and we do. And we have one coming up on October 20th that was going to be in person. But with the kind of uprise of the Delta variant, we pulled it back to a virtual event. But we're excited about that. So this is, you know, this is just kind of a, a different way to reach people, get our message out and, and allow uh, and our message being that, you know, we love working with entrepreneurs. We love their stories. We love help, helping them realize their goals. And so let's bring some on, let them tell their stories. And what can we learn from them? Have takeaways. I've, I've had takeaways in every interview about, wow, maybe maybe I should do that as a leader. Or maybe we should be doing that as a firm. Or we can incorporate you know, this concept or that concept uh, that we've, you know, wh- whatever it may be from the various, you know, guests that we've had on now. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I can appreciate that. You know, like a lot of marketing activities, the return on investment can be difficult to calculate exactly. And I imagine that the the podcasting is probably in a similar place. But that being said, do you do you know if you guys have actually picked up any new clients or new work that you think was specifically from the podcast? Or has have the benefits been more abstract than that? I could say a little bit of both. So I know that in a couple of examples, you know, I think where a couple of examples were existing clients that have been, you know, it reinforces the relationship. And I know that while we're talking or there at the office, you know, the two that come to mind have said, you know, there's some stuff coming up that I, I need to get you guys involved in. Now, whether that most likely would have happened, but I think being top of mind helps in that regard. And, and we've seen that in other things we've done before, where we'll go out and do what we call lunch and learns with clients go to their office, you know, no charge. The team that they're used to working with would bring in lunch. We just talk about their business. And in every one of those, something comes up and they're like, oh gosh, I hadn't thought about that, but we really need to do this. And and it's something, you know, whether it's some new agreement or revise this or, and so this, I've seen that happen with the podcast and, you know, fingers crossed, there's a couple new relationships that have now learned about our firm and have expressed an interest in, you know, there, there hasn't been an engagement yet or anything, but there's been strong interest. And in, I think I'd like to, you know, use you guys in the future. So that's pretty mm. exciting stuff. Uh, you know, and yeah, but I think you're right that, you know, a lot of it, I think is, you know, kind of seeding the awareness of the firm. And, and I, I do believe one, we can kind of look to some ROI now, but I, I believe it'll be, exponential as we move forward. And yeah, to me, there's, there's a return on investment. If, if I learn something from another really smart, innovative business owner that I can incorporate into our firm and make us a better organization, then that's worth the effort as well. And, and that's mm-hmm. definitely 
case, whether it's been some of the hiring practices that Reed Ryan spoke about that he used at the Houston Astros and the Round Rock Express and and the bank they have in Round Rock to some of the uh, leadership concepts that Jackie Fisher spoke about at Three Men Movers. You know, so I can go on and on because there's been something from everyone. But to me, you can calculate an ROI on that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, I remember Reed talking about some of the hiring uh, mistakes they'd made in the past and some of the mistakes they'd made as far as getting out of the three B's. I think it was the three B's, right? Baseball, banking, and beef. And, right. uh, and that some of the mistakes they made by, by getting away from that, from that sweet spot. So here's a, here's a, a question to think about. So if you, had to do it all over again and you went back in time to when you were considering launching knowing what you know now would you've done it uh, all over again oh absolutely w- would have done it again hands down okay yeah that really uh, I, I found that's kind of is the best way to encapsulate a whole bunch of questions in one <laughs> so one of the things that i've noticed that you do on your podcast that i really like is you tend to ask a standard set of questions for every guest. And I know you'll, you'll deviate some, but you kind of have a standard set. And I really like that because as a listener, because I kind of know what's coming and I kind of like being able to contrast the question. Like you have a question where you ask your guests, like, you know, one of their biggest failures, business, you know, failures they had and like, what did they learn from that? And I was so impressed with that question because it takes a certain courage to ask that question because I can imagine some people would not be comfortable answering that and would maybe be a little annoyed that you've asked a question and put them in a tough spot. But the fact that you've asked it and the answers have really been interesting. And I think that was one of that was one of Reed's answers was, you know, getting into businesses that didn't start with a B. And so I'm curious, what prompted that? Is it because of your trial prep background where you maybe have a a similar framework that you start with when you're preparing for trial and you just kind of carried that over? Or was it inspired by something completely different? You know, I don't think it was necessarily, you know, the trial work. If it was, it was kind of in my subconscious. But, you know, as we were talking about the idea of doing this. So I think it was wanting to have consistency, as you mentioned, consistency across, you know, a a very diverse group of individuals that have these unique stories. But if we walk them through, you know, a consistent way to tell that story, knowing there'd be tangents and whatnot, as you mentioned, that it would, again, it was about providing value to the listener. And I think, maybe it was just thinking more about what would I find valuable. And that would be to kind of hear these, these diverse stories, but on a, in a similar outline, if you will. And, you know, we're, we're, we're gathering like, like we do every day in, in this world. Now we're gathering a bunch of data. Now we haven't done anything with it, but at some point we may go back and look and go, okay, what, what are some themes here? Because we, we do have that kind of consistent format. And we just felt like, I think to your point, I that people, have some expectation of what they're going to hear, knowing that, you know, it's going to be a different story, but they know I'm going to, I'm going to hear about some setbacks and how someone overcame them. I'm going to hear what inspired them. I'm going to hear how they view culture 
and build it, what they think the best leadership philosophies and styles are. Also, we, you know, as you know, we talk about maybe books or other things they've done and they, they're going to get, man, they're, we've developed, if nothing else, we should go back over the last 12 or 13, you know, 13 as of today episodes and, and have a book list because every one of the, uh, our guests has offered some great books that they've read and learned from. And there's been some consistency there, but there's also been some you know, thing, you know books I've never heard of that, that I've started making a reading list on. So that was really the idea. And again, like I said, we, before you start, you don't know how that's going to be played, play out and be received. I, I feel like the feedback has been pretty positive and we're, we're always going to look to, to make tweaks to try to make it better and listen to, to valuable feedback along the way. No, I think you've you've done a great job. Hey, speaking of books, this is something we're actually considering, and we're actually just talking to some of our clients about this as they're you know passing ten episodes. So we actually have the option to produce human produced transcripts of the episodes, and I forget whether we're doing that for you all or not, but it it, it doesn't matter. But one of the things you could do is you could take those transcripts and basically turn those into a book. And I know I've read books by different people who've done that, basically where each chapter is a guest. And you, the editing would be really pretty minimal because we've really done the hard work with the transcripts. And so one of the things we're envisioning, you imagine if you did like a book for the first 12 episodes, and then you'd be able to you know, announce the release of the book, and you'd then be able to give like a you know, sign copy to each of your guests. And if that's something that you'd ever want to consider, we have a firm we work with that can take those transcripts and basically turn them into, into books. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Love it. Okay. I'll, I'll make a note to have the next time our team is, is talking to your team to, uh, to mention that and, and see if that's something that they, they'd want to consider. So I'm going to turn the tables on you and ask you two of my favorite questions that you ask your guests, okay? And you, and okay. you can probably guess them. So the first one is the setback question. So what's a setback that you've had and what have you learned from it? Okay, yeah. It's, it's not as much fun being on the receiving end, right. is yeah. it? Yeah, I tell people, you know, uh, when I get to ask questions and depositions and trial with people and it's much. It's much more fun being the question asker than the, the one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like many of my guests, you know, I think we we all have lots that we can point to. But I'll I'll, I'll use one that was is pretty recent in time, and that was dealing with you know in the wake of the pandemic, dealing with the work remote, work from home kind of issue. Okay, and we had had a policy actually in place before COVID hit that allowed effectively our you know. A, our attorneys to to work what was effectively about a, a day a month, you know, one day a week. I'm sorry, one day a week. So about four days a month remotely. And okay. in the in the wake of COVID, we got back into the office. I, you know, there's been stuff written on it pretty pretty quickly and safely. I'd like to say, and you know, retained a doctor to help consult with all that. But we didn't change that work remote policy. We kind of kept it the same. And mm-hmm. earlier this year, we were getting feedback from our, you know, our, our attorneys that, you know, have you, would there be any consideration to changing that? Other law firms in our industry, some haven't even gotten back to the office really, even today, or on a very limited basis. And 
yeah, we felt like at the ownership level that we work better collaboratively. It's good to be together. That's you know why we're we have an office and and you know and we do that better when we're together. And there was a, a kind of a resistance and, and made the decision that we were going to stay with what we had that was working for us. And quite frankly, we lost some good talent. And I, I think by and large to competitors because they offered a more flexible work schedule. And it caused us to really, literally in the last you know four to six weeks, really rethink that and get out of our comfort zone and trust our people that they're going to get their work done no matter where they are. And so we did revamp and you know, came up with a new work remote policy. I spent a lot of time one-on-one with our associates and, and my partners to really talk through what the real issues and concerns were and, you know, launched a new program where it's, it's, it's a flexible, you know, the keys over communicating. We're about four weeks in now. It's, it seems to be going well. And, you know, I think, I think from the old guard partners in the firm, the, the concern was, you know, no one's going to be in the office. And that just hasn't proven to be the case, right? People are in the office. The younger attorneys value the the in-person reactions, but if, but if they have a day that doesn't require them to be in the office and they want to work from home, they're still getting their work done. And so I think the lesson for me on that was, you know, don't, don't allow the kind of the, the ways that have worked in the past to get in the way of what might work better in the future, right? That, and, and I think we've all dealt with it in different ways since the pandemic hit and a lot of it's been accelerated on us. But you know, I feel like that that was something that I probably could have and should have done better in leading to trust and 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 push outside of our comfort zone. And I, cause I feel like a couple of the people that we lost would, would likely still be with us. You never know for certain. I don't think they just left for that, but I think that had a lot to do with it. And I know that it, it would, had we not changed that was, you know, that was a big issue for our people. So I feel, you know, the lesson learned was listen to your people, find something that works, but, but you know, don't be, you know, trust and, and, and push forward and, and adapt to new things as your world's adapting. Don't, don't keep your head in the sand. No, that's, you know, thank you for, for sharing that because I, I, I haven't been asked that question. And so I, so I can appreciate being the asker, not the asky. And so I think in summary, what I heard you say was two things. One, listen to your people. And two, don't be trapped by precedent or legacy. Does that sound about right? I, absolutely. I think it's a good sum, summation of that. Okay. So as we're wrapping up, I just have a, a few more questions. So so I might as well hit you with the other put you on the spot here question, but this one's going to make me uncomfortable. So is there anything you wish my team and I had done differently or that you wish we'd do differently in the future? And please, you know, if, if something comes to mind, you know, be, uh, you know, be brutally honest. So I will absolutely always be honest with you. And I will tell you that I cannot think of a thing that I would have asked y'all to do differently to date. It's, it's gone. I mean, just, it's been a seamless process we wouldn't be where we are with this podcast without your team. You know, the idea you seeded the idea uh, that it was even a possibility kind of to make it, make it available. And, you know, seemingly from what you promoted easy and in practice and in reality, that's you delivered on that. So, okay. I get nothing but uh, compliments, you know, from my team who works behind the scenes with your team 
you know, to, to make you and I look good. And so I don't have anything, uh, but I promise you if something does come up in the future, I will let you know we've been friends for too long, not to be honest with one another. Please. I, I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate the candid feedback and I must say you've, you've really made my day knowing that because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you, you, you have an idea, you think it's going to work, but until you're really, you know, test it with, with real clients, you just don't know. And you're really the first client that I've asked the question. And so I, I appreciate that confirmation that, that some of the uh, ideas I had and philosophies I had have, have panned out. So, so thank you for that, that feedback. And yes, if there's ever anything not to your satisfaction, I, I know you'll reach out to me. So here's, I'm saving the, the fun one. I keep wanting to ask the fun question. I think you know which one that is. I'm, I keep <laughs> holding that one off. So here's one. Here's a question that I think I, I, I've borrowed from Tim Ferriss. So, you know, they say that, you know, youth is wasted on the young, I think is how that expression goes. So if you imagine, if you could go back to when you were, say, 22 or 25 years old, either, you know, just finishing undergrad or just finishing your law degree, what's one or two things you wish you knew then that you know now, or asked another way, if you could go back in time and give advice to the 25-year-old Chris Hanslick, what what advice might you give to yourself? Well, how much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> we uh, there's no limits. There's no yeah. uh, no limits. Yeah, that's that's a really good question, and you know, I there's, there's again, I think there's lots because you're right. As as you as we all get older, and and Yes, live life. There's a lot of learning, but I, I think one of the things that comes top of mind is I would tell my, if I was 25, slow down. You know, slow down and appreciate the things around you. I think you, you're right. At 25, I was just finishing law school and I was ready. You know, ears pinned back and ready to just get after it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And and I, you know, I don't, and I have good memories, but I think there there's. We, we, when we're young and trying to get our career going, I think sometimes we move too fast and maybe don't go slow enough to really appreciate the things around us a little more because we're, mm-hmm. we're just trying to get to the next thing, right? If I just get a year under my belt or two years or whatever, and we're always looking so far forward that I don't know that we stay in the present long enough to appreciate it. So that's what I would tell myself. I think that's a great advice for any 25-year-old or 35-year-old or 45-year-old or 55-year-old. Yeah, to, to slow down and, and enjoy the journey because as each day passes, right, it's, it's in the past. So great, great advice. Thank you for, for your thoughtful consideration of that question. Okay, now comes the fun question. I bet you know what it is. <laughs> We're in Texas. We're in Texas. Tex-Mex or barbecue? Yeah. And that question, I asked that question because I know how difficult it is to answer. So, you know, I have some, some of my guests have answered both. Right. And I, I, I love barbecue, but I think th- the answer to that question is if I had to pick between the two, it's Tex-Mex. And the way I get there is when I'm out of, t- certainly out of the state for any extended period of time, first meal back is usually Tex-Mex. So, okay. Uh, Great. Well, I appreciate you answering that because I've got to tell you, I've heard you ask that question enough and I've heard you, your, your guest uh, kind of waffle enough and you kind of let them off the hook that I'd already decided I was, I was going to, 
if there was one question that I was going to go 60 minutes investigative journalism and really, you know, pin you down, it was going to be that one. So, so thank you for, 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 for allowing me to not have to go Dan Rather on you there. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you think we, we should have about the podcast, about life lessons, Boyer and Miller, anything come to mind that you wish we'd covered? Nothing that comes to mind. I feel like we, we we covered a lot of subjects. I enjoyed the conversation, and I appreciate you you know letting me tell the kind of the, the story uh, about our podcast. That's that's great. It was my pleasure. So, if if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do so? Do you uh, accept LinkedIn requests? I do. Uh, I do accept LinkedIn requests, and obviously, our website BoyerMiller.com. Okay, and the and the podcast is at, I'm just pulling it up right now, is at boyermiller.com slash podcast. And it also is on all the major podcast platforms. And that's Building Texas Business. I can never remember the exact title. Building Texas Business by Boyer Miller. That's correct. Building Texas Business. It is on all the the various platforms uh, that you can uh, hear a podcast on from Spotify to Apple and everything in between. And there is a a landing page uh, dedicated to the podcast on our firm website that you can find. And so, and then, you know, my bio is on the website if people want to reach out as well as through LinkedIn and it's just Chris Hanslick on LinkedIn. So that's awesome. And that's H-A-N-S-L-I-K. That's correct. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was a real treat for me. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you your willingness to take a flyer on this new idea and, uh, and entrust us with something so important as uh, contributing to the brand that you all have worked so hard to, to build. And so it, it means more than you know about how much I appreciate you taking a, taking a gamble on us. Well, you know, again, it was my pleasure. I appreciate you bringing the opportunity to it in the category of, of good decisions I've made in recent times. <laughs> Doing, doing this podcast and doing it with you and your team goes in the category of a really good decision. So, you know, and I, again, I, I want to thank not only your team, but my team. It's led by Josie Morgan and Drew Carpenter on my internal marketing team. And I mentioned the, the team at Savage. Uh, I work with Heather Maines and Kara Garland. I work under with Bethany there. And They've been they've been great, and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't be where it is today with, without the efforts of everybody. Uh, you know, all of those ladies included, and, and your team as well. I I would certainly agree. The your your internal team has been a treat to work with, as have the folks at Savage, and I appreciate the the kind comments about our team too. You're right; it is a team effort. So with that, why don't we wrap it up, Chris? I hope you have a great day and try to stay dry on this uh, rainy day in Houston. Well, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having me on and enjoy the time. Okay. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www.podcastingstories.com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.team to learn more about how they can help you. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.